The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about phytoestrogens. Are the plants you're eating acting as hormones? Nutrient, anti-nutrient, or just modulator? Hmm. Good question. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. So I appreciate all the kindness and hugs I got the day uh, after the Super Bowl when my Eagles lost. We were worried. You guys were you so You showed up kind. late to work, which never I happens. I everyone was hugging me. I loved it. <laughs> they should lose more often. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? I'm Crushing doing... it, living your best life, except for the wow. Eagles lost. Sorry about that. Wow, mocking Do you want me. a hug? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> But otherwise, doing good? Doing great. Thanks. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, this is a show. Uh-huh. This is a podcast. Wow. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you, Genova. Thank you. It's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, functional integrative precision medicine, and the like. And you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I hate when people say subscribe, rate, give us a thumbs up. And Smash here the I, buttons. And here I am saying, do all the likey, subscribe, you stuff for us, please. We got to get it done. Someone's got to do it. We got to get it done if we want to do this thing. Look, we're not gonna, we're not gonna start the show until you go and subscribe. Okay. Wow. We're we're just gonna sit here. I'm gonna hold my breath. I'm gonna wait. <gasps> you should subscribe. Patty's turning blue. She's turning blue right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your support. Yeah. Uh, If you have additional support or the opposite of support, you can send that to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. Yep. And if you're a patient interested in ordering Genova tests yourself, you can head on over to connect.gdx.net. There you can buy some really interesting profiles that we have and perhaps be connected with one of the Genova clients to help guide your healthcare. Yeah, that's great. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something that might be interesting, we should probably, Mm. we should think about doing like some sort of promo code for our lab report listeners like a discount something like that so they can get a test i have another idea what's your other idea well since people are going to be ordering these tests and have results and they're not sure what they mean maybe we can like review just in general what the tests mean and the results what that might point to isn't that what the show is about isn't that what we do here at the lab report we we talk about the test and better know biomarker and all that sort of stuff if you go back and listen to it Patty, you'd probably realize <laughs> a lot of what we're talking about is I guess lab true. test review. I mean, put it all in it's one It's called the episode. lab report, by the way. I didn't, I didn't. We, we could do it all in one episode instead of like making them listen to 16 just to get the full GI effects, you know? I think what you're trying to say is they should subscribe so they can get a promo code. That's, good. That's a good thought. Chappers, what are we talking about today? Good question, Oliver. What are we talking about? Well, we've been on, you know, the beginning of a series of anti-nutrients. And I know. That- I'm totally against nutrients. <laughs> I'm outraged. (laughs) We should all be outraged. (laughs) But on that list of anti-nutrients, in some lists is phytoestrogens. And I think that's got some controversy whether it is, in fact, an anti-nutrient. Phytoestrogens are are a big problem, according to some. There's some controversy for sure. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Where where in nutrition is there not controversy? There's 
controversy everywhere. But I think because the definition of an anti-nutrient is something that you eat that can block the absorption of very important vitamins and minerals, I don't know that phytoestrogen fulfills that role. Because, I don't think it fits that definition. Right. No, I mean, if it's, it's... modulator, isn't it? Well, it has a physiological role based... Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Phytoestrogen. What is that telling you? Plant estrogen. Okay. So it is thing. it is a molecule within plants and, you know, for the most part, very certain plants. I go down the short list of things like, and from a food perspective, soy, right? Mm-hmm. Soy's got a ton of them. Uh, also, alfalfa, red clover, from an herb perspective, flax, to a certain extent, uh, has a fair amount of phytoestrogens as well. And these are just chemicals that resemble estrogen, the molecule estrogen. So, um, given that, it's going to have some sort of impact on your physiology, right? But it's not, it's not blocking the absorption of nutrients or things of that nature. So... Um, yeah, I, I think the definition or at least categorizing it as an anti-nutrient, if you're using that strict definition, is wrong. Right. Straight up wrong. It, it's, it's, it's a broad Stop definition because this is more of a modulator, as you said Bloggers. earlier. And then when they think about the main phytoestrogens, there are four with some subtypes. It's isoflavones, still beans, coumestin, and lignans. Mm-hmm. Some of these we talked about. We did. We did a, a, a podcast episode way back called... The power of polyphenols. Right. You might want to go check that out. Isoflavones are polyphenols, right? They're, That's right. So they're still beans, also polyphenols. So lignans. they're they're all polyphenols. Estrogen-like right? polyphenols. Correct. That potentially have estrogenic activity. Right. Which, if you don't want estrogenic activity, there comes the controversy, right? Mm. Then they're bad. But you don't want that. But Estrogen causes cancer, doesn't it? But are they in levels high enough to be causing a metabolic or physiologic change? I guess That's is the, the question. question. That is a question 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 well you know what comes to mind first the first question i have for you michael Mm. these are all pretty you know medical and biochemistry sounding names but to the people listening out there it likely means very little so i think the first question to be answered is what are some of the foods that contain isoflavones and lignans and coumestin what what are the foods okay so I tend to think of like phytoestrogens because I've used this a lot therapeutically. So what are some of the things if I'm trying to support somebody's estrogen capacity, say perimenopause, postmenopausal, um, what's going to have a lot of phytoestrogens? I think of soy, soy, isoflavone, soy extracts. Um, I also think of flax. Flax is very high in the lignin phytoestrogen, that breakdown, that part of it. Uh, I think of red clover as being very high, alfalfa. Well, do you eat red clover? Like you just go out in your red yard and grab delicious. some red clover? Sure, you can put it on a salad. It's great. All right, what else? We all have red clover in our yard. Just make sure you don't spray it. You know what I'm saying? Yikes. I'm just um, going to go out and start chomping on things in your yard. Look, our kids are weird, I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> um, the other ones I think of are grape skins. So we don't do a lot of mm. grape skins, right? Think of grapes. Mostly think of wine. Right, like but r- resveratrol. Resveratrol is, mm-hmm. is prominent in the grape skins, not in the actual grape flesh. So sorry yeah. about you from a wine perspective. But, right. um, you know, you eat a lot of grapes, then mm-hmm. you might be getting some resveratrol. So that's a, a, a good one as well. How about potatoes and sweet potatoes and some fruits? No, those are gross. Nobody needs Stop. them. Stop! And here come the emails from the Starch Patrol. Bring it. <laughs> I'm not scared. Please, please adjust those to Michael Chapman. Yeah, if you eat potatoes without salt or butter, Stop. I want you to email me because there are, I'm not going to get zero emails. <laughs> now, truth be told, I don't think those are big players, but like soy is what? Soy is a legume. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our legumes tend to have a little bit of phytoestrogens in them. Um, that's, a, that's a big driver of, of 
a lot of the, the phytoestrogen groups, um, as well as our brass, not our brassicas, our cruciferous, our broccolis, our cabbages, things like that. They have some phytoestrogens as well. Okay, Michael, I'm asking myself the question I'm sure a lot of people out there are asking What's themselves. What's that? Uh-oh. I eat just about all of those foods, and now my question is, am I getting too much estrogen in my diet? Should I be concerned? Is this good or bad? What's going on when I eat a phytoestrogen? Okay, here's what I think is going on here. I think people are getting hung up on the word estrogen part of this mm-hmm. um, because they're forgetting the, the aspect that these are plant-based compounds that, like any other plant-based compound, doesn't come in isolation, right? If you were taking something like a phytoestrogen as an extract or an herb, then, yeah, maybe you would be talking about dosages that might be considered therapeutic. When it comes in the food form, you're going to have a lot of agonist actions, meaning things that stimulate, and then you're going to have inverse reactions. And when it comes to phytoestrogens, I've always thought of them as being somewhat modulating. So if somebody has high levels of estrogen in their system, then phytoestrogens can actually interact with the estrogen receptor to prevent stimulation and excessive stimulation, and vice versa. If somebody has low levels of estrogen in their system, they can actually act as agonists to help to increase uh, problems with low estrogen symptoms. So in essence, we're not eating estrogens. We're eating molecules that interact with receptors and can adapt within your body to do what it needs to do. Yeah, I tend tend to think of these things as being estrogen modulating, um, and that's not their only impact as well, right? If you look at a lot of the clinical outcomes in the health studies, then you can also see the antioxidant effect of a lot of these phytoestrogens as well. Well, yeah, because they come from plants and polyphenols, like we said in the power of polyphenols earlier. All right, well, you just mentioned there are antioxidants, there's some good and there's some bad. Why don't we dive into some of the like buckets of where phytoestrogens have some type of influence. And so I think the most logical place to start is reproductive health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's it's wrapped up in the word, right? Phytoestrogen. And given the fact that it has some sort of potential activity on the estrogen receptor, uh, it's probably going to be relevant in both, like you said, reproductive health as well as menopausal health. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are big areas where we might utilize phytoestrogens. Now, I think... At this point, it should, I should. I need to say something. I know because you have a really strange look on your face. That's like just my face. That's <laughs> just no, my face. It I've, always looks like I've, that. I've, it always looks strange. No, Michael, I've been staring at your face for years, sitting across from you on this little podcast recording room, and it looks stranger than usual. So, <laughs> that is something. So. Again, if we're talking about phytoestrogens, then we need to distinguish phytoestrogens as they come in food versus phytoestrogens as a nutraceutical agent, right? Like extracted from a plant versus eating a whole plant. Exactly. So you can have studies where you're looking at these phytoestrogens in compounds or in compound form, and they can have a ton of different action. It's obviously going to be different when you're eating it in a food form, and vice versa if you're talking about concerns, potential health concerns, side effects, blah, 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 blah have to distinguish when something is extracted, like a phytoestrogen or a soy isoflavone or something of that nature, it's more powerful, right? We made this exact point in the lectin episode, like eating a whole plant versus extracting it and doing research on it. Right. So, I mean, the first thing I think the most obvious one, like I already mentioned, is people who have low estrogen as it relates to menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this circumstance, you can certainly think about giving phytoestrogens to help compensate for the low estrogen. In practice, I've used it a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, com- there's a lot of combinations out there where you look at uh, flaxseed combined with soy isoflavones combined with red clover, alfalfa, these different things. And yeah, it works very well because it helps to, s- to stimulate the estrogen receptors in ways that uh, you wouldn't otherwise get stimulated based on just low estrogen. All right, so if you're using phytoestrogen 
phytoestrogens in clinical practice as you did to kind of help with some of those postmenopausal symptoms, like vasomotor symptoms. The question I would have is that does it appear to have the same effect on things like breast or endometrium as a risk, or is there an increased risk of clotting as would be with giving someone estrogen? I would say that there does not seem to be uh, similar risks that are associated with hormone replacement therapy in the sense of uh, risk factors around clotting, uh, as well as risk factors around uh, the, the breast tissue and endometrial tissue. That being said, um, those symptoms that are quote-unquote associated with hormone replacement therapy are often comparing not bioidentical estrogens mm. in that circumstance as well. Um, however, that being said, you know, the jury's always still out. Sure. The jury's always still out, but so far research has shown that these things that phytoestrogens do not have concerns, risk concerns uh, around some of those classic things that we consider scary estrogen symptoms. So the other thing that uh, you know, in practice, I've used this a ton for is actually uh, PMS, where people have irregular menses and cycles and things of that nature. It does tend to seem that uh, whether it's a luteal phase defect due to low progesterone or various other reasons that some uh, soy isoflavones, other phytoestrogens can actually help to really normalize uh, menses, whether it's amenorrhea or oligomenorrhea, things of that nature. Um, and not only that, but uh, PMS symptoms. So I've had a lot of success clinically using soy isoflavones and phytoestrogens that way as well. So again, a little empiric data, um, not necessarily, uh, you know, it's an anecdote and a one to a certain extent, although I know a lot of people who use it that way. So uh, what else we got? Well, there's a lot of literature and a lot of research being done with phytoestrogens and cardiovascular disease, but I need to maybe just throw out this caveat. There's a lot of epidemiological research out there, meaning there's an association with not necessarily causative as it relates to phytoestrogens and cardiovascular disease. And there's studies talking about it improving cholesterol and heart function and vasodilation, which would help hypertension, blood sugar regulation. And the question I would have for you, Michael, is how do you tease out whether this is isolated specific phytoestrogens, the constituent from a plant by which they're doing research versus eating all of the foods because in my head I think we just talked about how these phytoestrogens are also polyphenols with antioxidant effects how do you parse this out I mean I don't know for sure but I have an idea uh-oh sometimes literature is inconclusive that's right no one really seems to know the answers uh-huh. but we're lucky because we have someone who always has an answer and that's Michael Chapman what he's gonna offer us his logical speculation. I am? Yeah. You know, the thing that stands out to me with that is hmm. you use the phrase an answer. That's right. Which makes me think that it's sort of like he could be wrong, could be right. That's Actually, right. he just is a motor mouth and all he wants to no. do is just try to come up with some sort of fake answer. No. He doesn't really know what he's talking about and he shouldn't even really have a microphone in front of, front of his face, which is probably true. And I said an answer for that exact reason that it could be true, it could not be true. It's called speculation. And in fact, most times you're just way ahead of the literature, Michael. All right. Well, <laughs> you're asking me basically whether we know what was the deal? Correlation, causation. Mm-hmm. Why are these phytoestrogens doing anything? Are they doing anything? And right. That sort of stuff. So that's correct. This is going to be short. Oh, just want you to know. This is gonna that's be change. I think that basically at the end of the day, you can boil these things down to what in the world are these doing, right? If they're foods, if we're talking about phytoestrogens and foods, 
A lot of times we're talking about plant-based foods. Blah, 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 blah. What are we doing? What are we not eating if we're eating these things? We're not eating garbage. We're not eating mm. standard American diet, inflammatory things. Instead, we're eating things that have antioxidants in them, things that are anti-inflammatory. So at the end of the day, I think about function. We're talking about functionality. And so whether it's correlation, causation, some little bit of both, it's the fact that having these foods or maybe not having the other foods is lowering inflammation, which then generally leads to positive health outcomes all over the place, right? Makes, that makes sense. sense. I mean, you know, it's it's not that hard. Just go to function. Just always go back to function and you're going to have your answer, I think. All right, Patty, you get in here. You were going to say something. You had something on your brain about tumors. I did? Yeah. When? I don't know. After I made that point, you're like, hold on, I want to put on, I want to say something about tumors. <laughs> well, if in fact you're looking into my brain right now, all you're going to see is that monkey with the fez and the symbols just clanking away. Why does I that monkey nothing. have a fez on? I don't know. And really symbols? And the little jacket, it's a little bit weird, right? I guess the monkey, uh, Apu has a fez on in, in Aladdin too. See? You, you don't know what I'm talking about. I do. But I just think of the monkey and the symbols. That's what's going on. But if you want me to talk about hormone-dependent tumors, I can. Patty, there's nothing I'd rather you talk about right now than <laughs> hormone-dependent tumors. Could you please go ahead? Well, I think you touched on this earlier when we were talking about if you're using phytoestrogens to help balance hormones and estrogens in postmenopausal females, and I talked to you about its effects on the breast or the endometrium or clotting, and you talked about how it really doesn't have that same effect. It's remarkably safer than things like hormone replacement therapies, but it also depends Careful. on... What? Well, remember, we made that little caveat around hormone replacement therapies that they're not all being equal. A lot of times when you look in the research, you're talking about synthetic as compared to bioidentical. Fair point, fair point. And in fact, as we've been discussing, most of these phytoestrogens are antioxidant in nature and found to be Mm anti-tumorigenic. And so, in fact, can be protective from various types of tumors. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, There's a lot to go into with this topic. I mean, we could probably make a podcast about a lot of these different phytoestrogens Mm -hmm. individually. I think about lignans per se. I think about soy isoflavones in men. There's a lot of controversy out there, especially people talking about, you know, whether these are appropriate to be using in uh, males. They... There's been a longstanding fear of flax and usage of flax in males. Um, Certainly soy usage in in everyone. There's been controversy around that, but certainly around males. So one of the things I think is that it's interesting. You mentioned the anti-neoplastic, anti-tumorogenic aspect of some of these. Lignans is a big one. There's been a lot of studies around lignans and cancer and even things like prostate cancer. So um, that some of those fears, I think, are a little... Again, we have to get back to food form. We have to get back to, are we talking about um, whether we're using these as nutraceuticals? What sort of high-dose potency are we talking about? If you're just talking about flax oil... I don't know. I, don't, I think I think that you're not you don't have as much concern, uh, especially given the fact that these have like high lignin capacity. Okay, so thanks for indulging me about the uh, the, the, <laughs> the anti neoplastic tumor conversation. Is there anything else that we need to know about some of the potential health benefits, some of the potential health outcomes of phytoestrogens, um, and the fact that they're not anti nutrients? Well, I will say. You know, we've hit on the big ones, but phytonutrients are being studied in so many different areas of health. And to your point, just about every one of these could be its own podcast episode that we're going to spare you from a phytoestrogen 10-part series. Other than to say, you know, there are some studies out there about phytoestrogens and bone health, and those are not consistent um, because a lot of them are in addition to taking vitamin D. So parsing out, is it the vitamin D or is it the phytoestrogen? There's also a lot of 
various research going on around phytoestrogens and cognitive function. And we know the protective mechanisms around estrogen in menopause for things like preventing dementia and, and cognitive t- cognitive dysfunction. So it makes sense that, that was, phytoestrogens... Yeah. I was going to make the same point about bone, bone right, health as well. They can have the same positive influence on cognitive function. And then you think about anti-aging in your skin. And again... You know, phytoestrogens can do some of the other things like antioxidants and increase vascularization in your skin and prevent skin from oxidative stress. So it makes sense that phytoestrogens can help keep things healthy like bone in your brain and your skin. And I would like to say that despite the fact that I'm not a big tofu fan, you can get a lot of these things in foods on a regular basis just by having what? Whole foods. That's right. And that's the end of the story. Over and over again, we're going to come back to, okay, these things, whether they're anti-nutrients, nutrients, or anti-nutrients that are not anti-nutrients because you cook them and they're no longer anti-nutrients. At the end of the day, we're talking about whole foods. And whole foods are going to be better than processed foods. Bada boom, bada bing, there you go. Bada boom, bada bing, there you go. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to have a topic or a guest. Don't be so definitive. You know how we always change our minds, Michael. That's very true, although I can almost guarantee you there will be some sort of episode. Famous last words. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So, like we said earlier... I watch a lot of YouTube and I skip a lot of ads. Yeah. But the other day when you called me at your office to make me watch the true classic tea commercials, now every time it comes on YouTube, I watch the whole 30 seconds to a minute. Like they're hilarious. They're great. They're, great. they're some of the, the greatest ads. The the thing that I'm noticing about ads these days is huh. like more and more they're just becoming very honest about the fact that like they don't even care about trying to tie their commercial into their actual brand or whatever they're selling. They're just like, here's a bunch of funny stuff. By the way, here's our commercial. And I'm like, we're there. We are there now. It's like, you don't even have to talk about whatever you're selling. Just do something funny and people will be like, oh, what a good commercial. All about that stuff. Well, I'm right there with, I'm a lemming then because the true classic tea commercials are so funny that I'm crying laughing. They are And I'm like, I will buy this for you for your birthday because they're that funny. They're that good. And I'm not going to lie. I've been on the website to see exactly what I could get here. (laughs) If anyone knows the people at true classic, Hey, look, shout out. Yep. I could always use some shirts. Would be happy to put them on. I would, I will do a live. I will do some sort of video promo (laughs) for free gear. Chapman, you're stunning. You're stunning.